Come on, we love Jesus. Passionate lovers of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Gabe, Minister Marcy. Can we just give God some praise for them, just leading us into his presence and ushering his presence? <clears throat> That's no light thing, no light matter. Well, good morning. Good to see everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank God that you're here, and we thank God for the presence of the Holy Ghost, the presence of his Holy Spirit. And so, you know, we've been ministering on the Spirit, and I'm excited about the Word uh, today. Um, it was good. First of all, I just want to thank God just for the ability and privilege to be able to praise and worship him. Come on. That's no light matter for him, for us to be able to have an open invitation to be able to come before his throne of grace. And not without a whole bunch of uh, rigmarole, so to speak, and a bunch of ritual and religious routine. But the invitation, he says, come. <laughs> it's open. So I'm excited about that. <laughs> and that was some good praise and worship. Yes. <laughs> so we've been <coughs> ministering on the spirit for, for, for quite a uh, yeah, for January. Of course, last month we dealt with the fruit of the spirit. And uh, this month we've been talking about walking in the spirit, living by the spirit. And so we're going to continue on. But there are some things in particular uh, that I believe uh, that, you know, I want to be able to share. That was some good insights uh, that will help us in our operation in relationship with the Holy Ghost. And so it was, it, was it, it, I was awakened maybe about a week ago, not from sleep, but I'm sitting here driving on the road, and I haven't seen this in a while, so it definitely caught my attention. But I was driving on the road, and it, it, was, it was at a stoplight, and so it, granted it was some traffic ahead of me. But to my right, I saw this gentleman that was blind walking with a cane. And as he's walking with the cane, of course, he's along a sidewalk and has to come across this one little intersection. And his destination was to, well, I didn't know what his destination was at the time. And so while I'm sitting here watching him walk, and he's just kind of like, clack, clack, you know, he has his cane <clears throat> tapping around. And then I'm just looking because now I start to put myself in his situation. So it, I, I got nervous just a slight bit. It's like, oh, my gosh, what's, what's he going to do? Granted, he's been doing this for however long. But then he comes to a point where he gets to the, it was actually a trolley station. He comes, stops, taps, feels around, and then he waits, and then I pull off. For a brief moment, I wanted to be like, hey, <laughs> there's, there's, there's something ahead of you. He already knew. <laughs> How did he know? He could feel it. I'm going by my eyes, and I'm like, man, what would I do if I was blind? How would I function? How would I get around? But here he was, and it's not like he was going slow either. He had a nice little clip, bop, bop, and he was just going and just walking. And so it brought my attention because I realized, you know, his other senses are so highly developed that it's not like he was petrified of that, he was frozen. So it's interesting, if we parallel that in the spirit, I find it interesting, sometimes we don't move until we actually see something. 
It's like, well, well, God, I know this is the direction that I need to go, but I'm not going to go in this direction until I see something with my physical eyes to let me know, okay, now I can go in this direction. And that's not how we are to operate in the spirit. Not in the spirit. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a different way in which we live. It's a different way in which we walk. It's a different way in which we operate as believers. Amen? Amen. And so, of course, what we realize, one of the greatest things that is, as far as for one of the senses that is highly developed in people that are physically blind, is their sense of sound. They're able to hear things and to be able to locate and to be able to hear things that we're not as keen of. They're able to hear traffic, they're able to hear people, they're able to hear movement that we don't necessarily catch because the way they operate, they operate in a sound environment. Somebody say sound environment. Now, when I say that word, I want to use that kind of twofold there uh, because what we're going to be talking about today is being in touch with the Spirit. <clears throat> Someone to just say, being in touch with the Spirit. Okay, so this gentleman, again, you know, is a, and just bear with me as we kind of just walk along. We'll get to some scriptures in a little bit. So he lives in a sound environment, able to hear things that we wouldn't readily hear because we're so locked into the strength of our vision. And so other senses have a tendency to be dull, but this person that is physically blind, uh, his sense of hearing is so much greater. And I, and I know doing sound engineering and some things that I, I have a level of sensitivity in hearing. But his is developed to a whole other uh, arena because that's how he lives. And so what we want to be able to do, again, doing some parallels here, is we want to make sure that we live in a sound environment, sound in two sense. One sound, of course, that we're able to hear what God is saying in the spirit, but then two sound in the sense of being peaceful. The Lord says, look, I'll give you a sound mind if you receive it. <laughs> if you receive it. So again, we don't want to be uh, like those that, that when we operate in the spirit, it's not just like, Lord, you got to show me something in the physical for me to be able to do something. If you're just getting introduced to the Lord, then you know, that's, uh, you know, I understand that. But then as you begin to walk with the Lord, then you realize, you know what, this, this isn't his method of operation on a consistent basis. And so in Romans chapter 8, verse 1 through 6, we'll start there and take a look at a couple of the scriptures. <clears throat> Romans chapter 8, for those that have your Bible, you can turn there or, or digitally if you want to follow along. I'm actually reading from the English Standard Version for this passage. Spiritually, when we have a sound environment, we know how we need to move in the direction. And so we understand that it's the word that guides us. To walk in the spirit, by the spirit, is to walk according to his word. So we see here in Romans chapter 8, verse 1 through 6, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Somebody just say amen for that. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh, here's a distinction. 
Verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Let me read verse 5 one more time. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. And so what we find out is many people that call themselves followers of Christ wind up being in this category. Their minds are really set on things of the flesh. And set means established. Things of the flesh meaning um, it's, it's all about you, all about your sensory, sensory, physical sensory realm and your own comfortability. And compromising to make sure that you can stay comfortable. And excusing things, excusing your flesh because your flesh wants to stay comfortable. The things that are contrary to God, the things that oppose God, the things that are hostile to God that is in our flesh nature. Because when we're in Christ, there's two natures that begin to war with each other. There's the nature of Christ, the spirit, somebody say the spirit. And then there's the flesh, which is just death. What do you mean death? Well, just look at the next verse. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. And death meaning separation apart from God. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. And so you realize if you're not walking in this sound environment, if there's no life, if there's no peace, then you know that there's been a disconnection somewhere along the line. Or let's say like this, you're being led by something that is not the spirit of God. You know, actually, you're only led by two things. You're either led by the flesh or you're led by the spirit. It's not a gray area. You're either being led by the flesh or you're led by the spirit. And the scripture says that the sons of God are led by the spirit of God. So what we want to make sure that we do, first of all, if you've been being led by the flesh, then repent. Turn around. Change your ways and then realize, you know what, there's therefore now no condemnation. But the thing is, we can't, I, I want to make sure that we just <laughs> stop excusing the flesh. Stop excusing the flesh. Well, this is just the way that I am. Change. It's something because, you know, I've been on. Uh, somewhat of a discovery, you know, once you hit that 40 mark, and for those that are, are, are a little older, you, you, you understand it's not a crisis, but it's just understanding more about who Christ is. <laughs> and so in that, I'm asking the Lord, and, he was, and he's telling me who I am, and so found out some stuff about my personality that I realized was there the whole time, but I was like, oh, because, you know, when you take certain tests and Myers-Briggs and all that type of stuff. And I was like, man, what is going on? I was thinking something was wrong with me. It's like, why do I keep thinking? It's like, oh, well, this, this is kind of how you're wired, but then here are some of the weaknesses. And I was like, man, Lord, these are some glaring weaknesses. But he was like, look, don't just get in touch and just be like, oh, my weaknesses. Oh, well, this is just the way that I, and then I could just go around and choose him. Well, look, this is just the way that I am. If it's something that is not like Christ, then guess what? That can be changed. Amen. Okay, maybe it's just me. Okay, maybe it's just me. But that can be changed. And so I started realizing, it's like, okay, God, I see that. Thank you for showing me that. Now, Lord, how do we need to work this thing out? 
by his spirit. Mind, the spirit of the mind has to be renewed. So, again, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, if you live according to the spirit, your minds are on the things of the spirit. And so when your mind is on the things of the spirit, then you know that there's peace, even in a situation that looks like it's crazy. You can't be like, ah, then, then you just let a carnal mind just dominate. Somebody just turn to somebody and say, peace. <laughs> Woo! Oh, turn to someone else and just say, peace. <laughs> so what we do is we walk according to the principle of the written word. That's one of the things that we do. We walk according to the principles of the written word, the Bible. But then we also walk according to the presence of the spoken word, meaning God is saying stuff to us constantly. If we are presenting ourselves, and then we understand how God speaks. That's a whole other lesson about when we, we deal with senses about hearing God. But all of this produces a sound mind. You know the word produces a sound mind? This is what happens sometimes. Man, I feel like my thoughts are running all over the place. It's like, boom, 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 like little kids. But then the word will be like, whoops, slow down. It's that yellow light to be like, oh, walk. My wife, she's, she, she's a, a teacher, and, you know, she's at home re recovering and recuperating. She uh, had quite the day yesterday, so just <laughs> pray for it. Pray for it as she's uh, recovering. But, you know, she's a teacher, and, and one of the things that you realize when you teach little kids, uh, they have a tendency to be all over the place. But it comes to a point when it's time to be able to go outside, everybody has to line up and get into a single foul line. So when it's time to move, everybody can't be all over the place. Same thing with our thinking and in the spirit. And what the word does, it'll be like, oh, let's bring those thoughts back. Boom, boom, boom. This is, this is how we need to think in order, in process. Because it's hard to move when your thoughts are everywhere, right? <laughs> Amen. So we... Thank God for his word. So that's one of the things. If you ever feel like your thoughts are just all over the place, it's the word. God, what are you saying to me? God, what are you saying to me out of your word? And he'll speak. Now, one of the beautiful things in walking in the spirit is it's limitless. Walking in the spirit is a limitless lifestyle, and I'll explain that, because when we're born, we're born into the realm of learning how to adapt to our senses. One of the first things that happens is, you know, we, babies, they, they, they're born, and then the doctor does something to make sure that they can respond. They, they tap the child, or they do something to make sure that breath comes out of the baby. Well, it's a good thing. It was one of the things with one of our children, you know, when, when they were delivered, uh, nothing was happening right now. So they were just kind of still on the table, and the doctor was just massaging, come on, baby. Come on, baby. And I'm with my wife, and I'm praying in the spirit at the same time. I'm like, come on, baby. I was just praying in the spirit. And then when I heard, eh, eh, I was like, thank you, God. Because I didn't breathe for a while. No air was coming out. Um, and I was like, okay, thank you, Jesus. Almost wanted to cry for a little bit because I'm with my wife and then my child at the same time. But there was a response. 
So now this child, and now what we do is we come up growing into our sensory realm. So we understand that we deal with these main five senses of being. And I was remember reading this with my youngest daughter. She had this book about the five senses. And we were reading about touch. We were reading about sight, about hearing, about smell, about taste. And so what these senses do, of course, we understand that uh, this sensory realm is how we perceive, perceive things that are around us. I remember, I think about this one movie, it's this Superman movie called Man of Steel. And so when Man of Steel, and we're familiar, Clark Kent, the Superman story, but in this movie in particular, it, talks, it, it had a brief moment about his journey adapting because he's otherworldly, but adapting to this new environment. But then he realized, man, you know what? He was going along with his normal senses thinking that he was normal. But then something started happening where he started able to hear stuff Shouts and screams from another distance. And then he realized, man, you know, I'm able to see through stuff. And then he realized, you know, he didn't have a normal touch, but this boy was strong. He was awakened to another dimension of his senses. I say all that to say this. In the spirit realm, we have spiritual senses. We know about the limits of how fast we can run, how we move. It's like some people's like, oh, man, my eyesight, the older I get, my eyesight's getting a little, it's getting a little, uh, getting a little more challenging. <laughs> or sometimes we might find ourselves having to, people are talking to us, uh, can you repeat that again? Can you repeat that again? You know, my hearing a little bit. And so we understand the, the limitations in the physical realm, but in the spirit, there's no limits except our ability to believe. Let's look at these uh, spiritual senses here. I'm going to talk about this. Because what it does is when we come in Christ, what is revealed is the senses. And almost like that Superman story that I gave, we have to know, know now. It's like, oh, wait a second. I don't just move by what I see anymore with these physical eyes, but it's a whole other way of moving. Oh, wow. Now I'm beginning to able to hear stuff that nobody's audibly saying to me. But I know I heard it. We've got these spiritual senses, and it's not a superman, but they are supernatural. So here's what they look like, and I'll spend time on one, hearing. These five senses come with grace. They're graces in the spirit, because check this out. These, these spiritual senses are not something that we can earn. It's something that we're reborn with. And they just have to be developed. You know, it's interesting, you know, for people that are, are atheists or agnostic, those five senses really, if you think about it, if you don't believe that they were given to you, then they just really have no purpose. They're just there for, quote, unquote, evolutionary purposes. Because they were like, if you believe that they have a purpose, then that means that there has to be someone that designed it for a reason. And I was like, wow, what a way of thinking that you have these senses and they really, in context, serve no purpose. That's life without God. But we thank God that in the spirit that there is purpose. And so hearing, here's just one scriptural reference about being able to hear in the spirit. And, of course, there's plenty, plenty of references. But this one in particular, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to read it for you. But it's Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 12 through 13. 
And it says, then the spirit lifted me up and I heard and I heard and I heard behind me a great thunderous voice. Blessed is the glory of the Lord from his place. I also heard the noise of the wings of the living creatures that touch one another and the noise of the wheels beside them and a great thunderous noise. Ezekiel got caught up <coughs> in the spirit. And so what you'll find sometimes when you read through the Bible, other people heard thunder while Others heard the voice of God. So they heard in the spirit. So other people, uh, their response was just in the natural. It's like, thunder. What, what is that noise? Other people heard the voice of God. I remember coming up when I visit my grandmother in Goldsboro, North Carolina. When there would be a thunderstorm, we would have to cut off the TV no one could get anything near the electronic devices, and you'd had to sit down. And I remember my grandma, when the thunder bit, hush, baby, the Lord is speaking. I remember that vividly. And as a kid, it's like, what? It's like, grandma, can we cut on the seat? Why we got to do this? The Lord is talking. I'm hearing thunder. She was hearing something else. My spiritual senses weren't quite developed yet, but now there's, I, we can hear some things. You know, even when you lift up a, a shout of praise, some people might just hear physically with their ears in the ear canal, but then as your senses develop, you realize, you know what, there's a greater noise going on than the noise that we're making. Somebody say, in the spirit. You do realize you are a spiritual being. Made in the likeness and image of God, who is a spiritual God. <laughs> so that's hearing. Another one is sight. This one's a funny one, but this is so good. Uh, again, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to paraphrase this, but this is in Numbers chapter 2. This is when I believe it's a story of, of Balak going to visit Balaam. And it was, it was about this donkey. I'll paraphrase, but it was this gentleman that was supposed to deliver a message. But he was riding on a donkey. And as this donkey and he was traveling, uh, there was an angel that stood before them uh, with a sword stopping them. Now, the donkey stopped. The person that was riding the donkey didn't know what was going on, and he kept striking the donkey. And so the donkey turned the other way, and then the next uh, the donkey saw the angel again. The person that was riding struck the donkey again. It's like, what is going on? The donkey turned another way, and then it got to a point where it was nowhere to turn because the donkey saw that the angels had surrounded him and then it fell down it's like look can't go anywhere else then the person struck the donkey one more time and then the Lord caused the donkey to speak to the man the Lord caused the donkey to speak to the man and it was like why are you in the donkey paraphrasing why are you beating me <laughs> this is what's interesting the man starts having a conversation with the donkey <laughs> I would have been like, what in the world? <laughs> so they started having a conversation, and then the donkey was like, do you not see the angel of the Lord? And then the Bible says the Lord caused the person's eyes to be opened. And then he saw the angel finally, and then the angel was like, you know what? If it hadn't been for the donkey, I would have killed you and left the donkey. That's what it says. <laughs> it says, I would have killed you and the donkey would have been living because they could see in the spirit when you couldn't. 
Somebody say, Lord, help me to see, help me to see, help me to see right now. Some of y'all going to be going talking to your pets. What do you see? <laughs> what do you see, whiskers? Meow. What are you saying? Talk to me, talk to me, talk. I'm not saying doing that. I'm not saying doing that. When you're connected to the spirit, you don't need to talk to animals, okay? I'm serious. That's, that's the whole point. When you're connected to the spirit, you don't, you don't need to talk to animals. <laughs> to, what is God saying? That, that, that is not the point. But again, that's sight. So the stuff that we see, and here's the thing, because you, you, you realize different people have different sensory levels. Somebody could be smiling, but then someone could be like, oh, yep, something's not right. I see right beyond that smile. There's a pain, there's something that's going on that they're not expressing. But God, what happens is God opens your eyes. It's not that we see on our own. He shows us. And if you see something, then you need to pray because then you're responsible for what you see. He'll give you instructions like that. That's a whole other story, a whole other time. Each one of these actually can have its own week uh, to spend on. <clears throat> here's, here's another one. Smell. This one's not talk, talked about as much, and bear with me because I'm, I'm teaching this one today. Uh, well, not smell, but I want to teach today. <laughs> smell. Uh, this one's not talked about as much, but you know, you can smell in the spirit. Things have a smell in the spirit. I'm, I'm quite honestly, I'm not as sensitive to this, but I know some people, they've smelled foul things in the spirit. It's like, ooh, do you smell that? And I'm like, I don't smell nothing. It's like, ooh, something, there's some Something's dead around here. And they can pick it up. And here's the thing, because things that, things that we do in the spirit produces a smell. You could throw on all the Versace all you want to. Versace. <laughs> all the Chanel. You could spray on all that, all, all you want. And other people are like, oh, my gosh, what's that fragrance? The Lord's like, oh, I know what that fragrance is. Here's one, Philippians chapter 4, verse 17 through 19. <clears throat> this one in particular is talking about a good offering, and it says, not that I seek the gift, and Paul talking to the church of Philippi, but I seek the fruit, somebody say fruit, that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. He's saying, look, I'm, I'm good. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things that were sent from you. So these people were sending things financially to support Paul in his work. And then he says, this thing sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. So in the spirit, offerings produce a smell before the Lord. Our offerings produce something in the nostrils of God, and then that smell is either pleasing or displeasing. And how that smell is displeasing or pleasing is because of the condition of the heart in which that offering is given. Got a sweet heart, that's a sweet smell. Sour heart, sour smell. Another one, taste. I'll be quick with this one. Psalms 34 verse 8 says this, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. So in other words, taste meaning not that we just, but stuff that we experience. Things that we experience that's like just a, a good taste. This one I want to spend time with. This one, last one here, which is the one that I did not talk about yet. 
There you go. Feel, touch. So touch, of course, is beyond the five senses. And, you know, as we mentioned, there are several occasions where things can actually manifest from the spirit into the natural realm to where we pick it up in our physical senses, which, because you can audibly hear God. We hear him in the spirit, <clears throat> but there are occasions some people have heard God speak audibly. I haven't had, I've had moments where it was almost audible, but it wasn't like an audible, Sir Walter Scott the third. I probably would have been shook. But Samuel had that experience when he was called at a young age, the prophet of the Lord. All right, but again, uh, touch. So here's some things that dull the spiritual senses. Walking in the flesh dulls our spiritual senses. Carnal thoughts. Unbelief. A double mind. If you're double-minded, the Bible says you can't receive anything. Because, of course, the senses is how we perceive and receive things. Here's another way senses get dull. Little to no prayer. Little prayer or no prayer, our spiritual senses stay dull. And then we just begin, because then, then you just start to go according to the flesh. Well, God's not saying anything to me. Oh, yeah, he is. You're just not listening. Or you're dull of hearing. Man, when you look at a paper Bible and look at all them words that are in that Bible, God is not at a shortage of words. Still talking. All right, and then here's one other thing that dulls the spiritual senses. Pastor Gabe talked about this even on Wednesday when he was talking about obedience. But disobedience dulls our senses. When you're just disobedient, it's going to be hard for you to see where God wants you to go. Because we've developed a track habit of not listening. So it just has to be retrained. Amen. Now, we have this touch. There's things touched. There's things that can be touched and felt in the spirit that is beyond physical. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, let me share this and then we'll break it down. There's things in which we touch, you can touch inappropriately. There can be Physical touches that are inappropriate, and the church said. I'm not going to go there, but you just think about things romantically. Before you were married, there was touches that were just inappropriate. <laughs> but therefore, there was now no condemnation <laughs> for those who are Christ Jesus. <laughs> but that's touching outside of sanction. <laughs> Clear my throat on that one there. Again, I'm going to go through this quickly. The Lord said this, started in a garden. He says, look, don't touch the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because if you do, you shall surely die. That's the instruction that he gave to Adam. There were certain things that he was not supposed to touch. And here again, it wasn't a physical consequence. It was a spiritual consequence. We'll talk about more on that on Wednesday. <clears throat> Bible says this, in a physical sense, don't, don't touch uh, a dead body or you're unclean. So again, it says in the physical, don't touch something that's dead, but then in the spiritual, you're unclean as a result. Scripture also says this, don't touch my anointed and do my prophets no harm. Meaning people who God has anointed, 
set apart in office, we don't touch. And then what it's talking about, not just a physical touch, but then even things that we even say with our words, that's a form of touching. Being, having a critical spirit. The Lord's like, look, don't touch my anointing. I'll deal with them. But you be mindful of how you perceive and how you respond to them. <laughs> Turn to somebody and say, don't touch me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Inappropriately. <clears throat> yeah. I just saw husband and wives right now. They say, don't touch me when you're just mad. <laughs> be at peace. Be in the spirit. Don't be carnal. <laughs> I can spend a lot of time on just inappropriate touches, but I want to keep moving. But it's, it's, it's depth to it. But it's a point I want to get to. When the Lord touches you, you know God can touch you. And when God touches, boy, uh, he touches I want to talk about it in a sense because oftentimes we think of God's like, the Lord, he's just gentle. Not always. <clears throat> he can be. But then, depending on the situation that is needed, he can touch a little more firmly. How many of y'all ever felt that firm touch of the Lord? A firm touch. And so, one instance of this, um, the Lord, there was this gentleman named Jacob whose name meant deceiver. He wound up wrestling with the Lord, long, long story short, he wound up wrestling with the Lord, the Bible says angel of God, but it was with God. And then it came to the point where Jacob was like, look, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And so what the angel did, he touched, here they were wrestling the whole time, right? But then it comes to a point the angel's like, all right, stop. What do you want? And then he shares what he wants. And then the angel blesses him with a new name, but then it says that he touches his hip. Just touches his hip and then dislocated Jacob's hip with one touch. Boop. And now the brother now had a physical representation of his encounter. In other words, the Lord changed his walk as a result. Of how he wrestled. So God, when God touched, we know it's like the Lord touched my life. Some of us were wrestling with some things. I know I'm not the only one, but I was a knucklehead. <clears throat> and I've shared this, but I just, just think it back again. When the Lord touched my life, I had some uh, silver jewelry on. With, 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 you know, we just had to have a sit down conversation. <laughs> it was some silver bracelets. That some people placed on me so that I can get my life together. <laughs> and then I had a moment, the Lord's like, what are you doing? I, and I had, a, oh, wow, that same grandma, she's the one that prayed that way. I rededicated my life. It's like, grandma, I don't need to be living like this anymore. It's like, it's okay, baby. While my parents were going off, thank God for grandparents. My mom wanted to kill me. My grandmother saw in the spirit. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Had to calm her daughter down. And then she prayed for her brother. And then, you know, we, we, we got on the right track. But the Lord touched my life that day. Thank you, Jesus. Someone needs to be like, Lord, touch my child or my nephew or my niece right now that was going on that wrong path and, you know, had some jewelry placed on them. 
<laughs> Here's the thing. Stuff, you know, stuff God can do so much to you where people wouldn't even ever know. It's like, wow, yeah, I can't even smell the stench. It's like, man, the Lord cleaned you up. <laughs> you're not fully clean, and yes, you're fresh, fully clean. <laughs> That's old school. <laughs> and then here's another instance. The Lord touched Jeremiah's mouth. This is in Jeremiah 1 where he was calling him into the prophetic call. Jeremiah was saying, hey, you know, giving excuses again, right? Hey, I'm young. And he started looking, you know, I- I'm a youth. The Lord's like, whatever, I-, I-, I know. And then the Lord touched his mouth. And then in him touching his mouth, it put God's words in Jeremiah's mouth. And then the Lord sent him. was like, look, you're going to go speak to nations. Forget about the excuses, all the limitations that you grew up with in the realm of the spirit that aren't limitations. I'm going to touch your mouth and you're going to speak my words. Somebody just say, touch my mouth, Lord. <clears throat> When the Lord touches you, here's the thing. If God doesn't move you doing worship, your senses are dull and need to be developed more. It just is. When he touches you, and it's not, not a cr- critical thing in, this, in a sense, you know, if you're just walking with the Lord. Uh, but again, this is beyond personality. Because my personality is, is not to be the most expressive. My personality is not e- emotional, personally talking. My personality if you go by labels and things of that nature, it has a tendency to be cold, which I realized over the years when people are like, man, you're mean. And I'm like, man, I'm not mean. You're just soft. I said that. But then I realized the Lord starts touching your life. He's like, man, you know what? We got to curve this. I don't, I don't need you to be dense. So now what he does, he'll, he'll, God will break you down in worship. You can be tough until you get touched up a little bit. You get touched up a little bit, and then my, my thing now, just in, in, in the presence of the Lord, it's like, man, there's certain things that happen. Then I just start, I'm just start, start welling up more. It just becomes so much more sensitive and so much more appreciative of what God does, and then that just flows out in the form of tears. And I'm like, man, God, got to get myself together. He's like, no, let them flow. Let me touch you. (laughs) Those tears are an offering to me. And it smells good. Salty. (laughs) That's what your life is to produce, salt. So when we offer these tears before the Lord, the Lord's like, yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Somebody again say, touch my life, Lord. (laughs) One scripture. Let's turn here. Luke chapter 8, verse 43 through 38. Familiar scripture, but I want to highlight some things here. Luke chapter 8, verse 43 through 38. And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, Neither could be healed of any. So for 12 years, she spent everything she had on medical doctors and physicians, and nobody could remedy her condition. Verse 44, came behind him, so Jesus was in a crowd. 
That's right, because we just jumped right in, but some that might not be familiar, well, let me provide just a brief context. So Jesus was in a crowd. He's actually on his way um, uh, at the request of Jairus to go heal his daughter. So you got this crowd, you know, following Jesus. And, and when I say crowd, I mean a crowd. Because people were aware of what Jesus was, was doing and the things that he'd done. And so you got Jesus all over, pressed about him, and you got tons of people. Man, Jesus, 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 Jesus. So everyone's all bumping up. And so he's on his way to Jairus' house. And so a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her issue of blood stanched. Verse 45, and Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee, and sayest thou who touched me? In other words, Jesus, what are you talking about? Everybody's touching you. You got all these people, you got all these people around you, but Jesus wasn't talking about something that was in the physical. He was so connected in the spirit his sense was so sharp in the spirit, and this is where we, how we want to develop and be. Jesus said, verse 46, somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue, dunamis, power, is gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him and declared unto him before all the people for that cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, Jesus said to her, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in what? Go in peace. The woman with the issue of blood was in touch with the spirit. I submit that to you because she did everything that she could in the physical. All that doctors could do, they couldn't do anything for her. And it wasn't just the touch of his garment, but it was the anointing. Because the anointing was on him to go heal. So he was already walking in the anointing for healing. But the other people that were around didn't have a perception. She did. When you touch in the spirit, virtue flows. When we make that connection, so let's slow this down just even a little bit. Even on Sundays, I say this, come with an agenda. I say this to you, come with an agenda, a pure agenda, I should say. Come with a pure agenda. It's like, man, you know what? I'm going to touch the Lord and receive something from him today. It doesn't matter about the crowd. It doesn't matter about the people that seem like they might be touching Jesus who is receiving virtue? Who is receiving something that is transformative or life-changing? That's one way in which you touch in the spirit. I'm going to share with you some things as far as for touching the Lord in the spirit. There's something, number one, there's something that you have determined in your heart. Get a determination in your heart from the Lord. It's like, God, this is what I desire. Because what this does, it always puts you in remembrance of your need for him. We need the Lord. And then in that, the woman realized, look, she had, she, she, she had no options. Number two, touching the Lord, you have to be in the presence. 
And you can get in his presence <coughs> at any moment. You don't have to wait for a Sunday. You don't have to wait for a Wednesday. It's great for us to be able to gather and assemble together. It's powerful. It's a, it's a different anointing. It's a different presence. But you can still touch him beyond here. <coughs> so she moved from where she was despite the possible ridicule to be in his presence. Y'all know the woman was classified technically as unclean, untouchable. She shouldn't have been out in public because she was unclean. Dealing with the issue of blood, it's like, oh, no. By that cultural standard, by that cultural law, it's like, what you doing out of the house? And what you doing touching anybody? But you have to be in the presence of the Lord. Doesn't matter, Lord, I feel so unclean. Don't run away, run to him. Do not run away from the presence of the Lord. Lord, I've sinned. He's like, I know, let me clean you up. Only I can do it. That's number two. Number three, don't do things to be seen, to touch the Lord's heart. Jesus even gave this example uh, about people praying in public. Religious people pray in public, Lord, <coughs> oh, how father, thou great, and blah, 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 blah. The Lord's like, man, they have their reward. What I want you to do, he's telling his disciples, what I want you to do, you go pray to your father in secret. And your father who hears in secret will reward you openly. So when we touch God's heart, when we touch the Lord, when we receive from him, when we touch in the spirit, we don't do things to be seen. That's what I appreciate, and that's what I believe God appreciates. That we can still, can you still serve without being acknowledged? Can you still serve without being recognized? And touch God's heart. Because here's the thing, when we live according to the flesh, we work as unto men. Well, I'm going to do this because you say so. Why does somebody have to say so? When we work as unto the Lord, we touch his heart and the spirit. And no one has to say anything. And the church said, Amen. so the woman with the issue of blood, she realized, oh, man, because, look, she wasn't thinking about nobody else. It's like, look, I just got to get to everybody all around Jesus, but I just need to touch. It wasn't, excuse me, I'm unclean, and I need to see Jesus right now. Jesus, I just need to touch you. It was personal. Number four, touching the Lord principle, practice. We live this. Don't let go until virtue flows. I just imagine, I can't say for sure, but I don't think that touch was a... When you're desperate, it's, bear with me, it's, you're pulling. Because one form of touch means cling. One definition of touch means to cling to. That woman touched the hem of his garment, and it was a pull that Jesus was like, whoa. Now, that was something in the spirit. It wasn't just the strength of a physical pull, but it was just such a demand from her life that she needed transformation. 
which we have the ability to do. <laughs> and then as a result, stop with this, touching the Lord. Number five, when virtue flows and your life is impacted, worship. Offer worship. Don't be like, yeah, God touched my life, and then our life in return is not sacrificial before the Lord. The Bible says this, that the woman fell, fell down before the Lord on her knees. That was worship. <laughs> Here's another thing as far as for touching, because this woman touched the Lord to him of his garment, and I'll wrap up with this. We remember the woman who had so many sins that the Lord, you know, delivered this woman out of. And Jesus was with the disciples. This was a woman who was a, uh, a prostitute. Comes in with oil. And then what she does with such an attitude of gratefulness. She does something that was such an attitude of service. She washed the Lord's feet with her tears and dried his feet with her hair. And then she poured oil on his feet, and then the fragrance of it filled the room. But it wasn't just the fragrance that was filling the nostrils. It was something in the spirit because she was preparing what people didn't realize, but Jesus understood this is symbolic, and this is in preparation of my life going up as an offering before the Lord, meaning the sacrifice that I'm about to make that the other people around him were ridiculing. Lord, do you know who this woman is? It's like, do you know what she's doing? Oh, y'all don't see what I see. Oh, you're walking according to the flesh. You don't see in the spirit what she's doing. So that's one of the beautiful things about our worship. And I just say this, not saying that you... you, you but I just encourage you, and I maybe have said this before, but even when you're worshiping before the Lord, and if you're crying, don't wipe the tears. I'm going to say that again. Don't wipe the tears. Amen. That means something before the Lord. That is precious. And even for us, there's one thing that, you know, we share. It's like, look, just be sensitive about if you see somebody crying that you just, here, here's a tissue. No, 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 let it run for a little bit. Don't matter if that mascara is running, it's okay. <laughs> Let it run. It's, it's worship. It's, 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 it's something that's going on beyond the natural sight that is taking place in the spirit. <laughs> this is what we know as prophetic acts. I'll finish with this. Prophetic acts. There's things that go on, and especially for this house of a Bounty Grace Family Worship Center. Some that have been around for a while are, are familiar, but here's the thing. I don't want anybody, if you've been around for a while or if you're new, no one should be lax. We always want to stay sharp and sensitive in the spirit. And so what it is, prophetic acts, sometimes there will become such a point in service where it's like whoever might have, have the mic or even sometimes some stuff that you might see yourself where the Lord will instruct you to do a physical motion. For example, sometimes I'll take... If it's doing praise and worship, I might, I might just take a hanky that's going for it. People might just see a hanky, but that's not what I see. 
What I'm seeing in the spirit is, oh, you know what? This is a sword in my hand. So it's like, whoosh, boom, boom, in the spirit. And God's like, yeah, get him, boy. I'm right there with you. When God shows you something in the spirit, and if you see yourself doing something in the spirit, then you need to do it in the natural. Okay, what it looks like, unless it's just like super, super, super weird, then, <laughs> then you just do that on your own. <laughs> yeah, the Lord just told me just to stand up on here and... No, you're going to, you're going to, <laughs> you're going to, <laughs> there's another law in operation. You're going to wind up hurting yourself. <laughs> yeah, some of us done got hurt like that. Some people done got hurt. You done caught, you done got so caught up in the spirit, but not realizing you were carnal. <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen some people start running in sanctuary. Jesus, Jesus, bam. I'm like, oh, I saw this one. I saw this one instance. This brother got so caught up in the spirit that the emotions of it caught him in the energy. He was on the stage, glory to God, and then he just took off running because there's steps. He took off running, but then he fell down the steps, bam, and then he got up. He was like, and then, and then it took off running, right? Like, hallelujah. But then afterwards, he was like. Now, this is all going on. People are like, oh, my gosh. Now, here's the thing. Because, you know, I was on staff at the time. And we and some of the sound guys, they were like, hey, Walt, come here. So they playing it because there's some stuff that you catch on video and hear on video that you don't see in the moment. This had us on the floor. When my man, because he took off with the mic, he was that excited, giving a testimony, took off with the mic. As he fell, you heard, oh, boom, 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 boom. He was like. <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, next time we saw him, he had a brace on. <laughs> Brother tore some things. It was carnal. So I'm just saying, you can get caught up in the spirit, but just don't go running in the walls. <coughs> because you're not <coughs> that much in the spirit yet where you can go through them. <laughs> we still got this flesh that we got to deal with. <laughs> Amen. But we're just not led by it. <laughs> oh, man. <coughs> but, but as a result, the woman with the issue of blood receives a special touch from the Lord. She touched him and he touched her back in a transformative way. And that's what we have a privilege and opportunity to be able to do. Not only does God touch our lives, which we know, but you know what? It's a two-way thing. He says, you know what? You can touch my life too. How special is that? <clears throat> Where the Lord says, you can touch my life. Let's stand. <clears throat> I want to.
Y'all need some help there? Y'all all right? <laughs> Hallelujah. You know what the good thing is? At least it's not a, a song that's just way off the mark and just <clears throat> start, start playing something that's just like, oh, Lord, it's just all out. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's, it's biblical. It's scriptural. It's the word. It's the word. It's the word. <clears throat> yeah, some tech person, help her out. Help her out. <clears throat> it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> Peace be still. <laughs> Here's one thing that's so special. Jesus, after his resurrection, of course, he was glorified, but he had an encounter with one disciple in particular. There's actually two parts. Here's Jesus coming from the tomb, and then Mary. <coughs> Mary winds up having her eyes open, like, Jesus. And, then she, and Jesus is like, look, Mary, don't touch me. I have to go present myself to the Father. But then whatever he does, he he does what he does. But then it was the disciples because he was like, look, Mary, don't touch me. I have to go present myself to the Father. But go tell the disciples what you've seen. And so when she tells the disciples, like, look, I saw the Lord resurrected. The disciples are like, what? Really? Thank God for the women. Sometimes they see first. Sometimes they see first. But the brothers catch on, and then, you know, we do what we need to do. It's a working together thing in that relationship. We work together. I'm like, I'm like, babe, I don't see it yet, but what do you see? And that's just showing me something. Sometimes I'll see stuff first, and then we come together. But bottom line, she goes, tells the disciples, and then the disciples are like, you know, they're, they're wondering what's going on. But one disciple in particular named Thomas says, you know what, I'm not going to believe it until I touch his hands and feel the piercing that went through his side. Now, while this was going on, Jesus was not there. It was the disciples, Thomas, Mary. So then Jesus shows up. Here's the thing about it. They were in a closed room and then Jesus just appeared. And he didn't appear just in the spirit where they were just like, no, he immediately says, peace to you. Then he says, Thomas, Thomas says, you know, I'm not going to believe until such and such. But the Lord's like, look, Thomas, feel the piercing on my hand and on my side. But that's not the point. He said, because what Thomas did as a result, he was like, oh, my Lord and my God. But then Jesus said this, almost as a rebuke. But then strengthen him as well. He was like, Thomas, you believe you because you've seen. But I'm pronouncing a blessing. I'm saying blessed are those who believe and have not seen yet with their physical eyes. So if you're among one of those who believe and have not seen Jesus physically or to the point to where you can actually touch him and hold and cling, guess what? You're blessed. 
And you're not just blessed, but you're blessed by Jesus himself. The pronouncement of that blessing continues on to this day right now because you believe and have not, because you made a decision to not operate just your physical senses alone. If you got just enough faith, the Lord's like, I can work with it. Keep giving me more, but I can work with what you got. Just place it in my hands, then allow me to increase it and develop it. And then this is our life in the spirit. It's like, Lord, I want to touch you. <laughs> so right now, right where you are, you have an opportunity to be able to touch God. So we have a moment. So you can close your eyes. That helps because we don't want to be moved by sight or what's going on. But you can just close your eyes. And then I want you in your own way, just begin to be able to offer worship before the Lord. And then in that, let your heart touch his. Let your heart touch his. It's something that is expressive. It's something that the Lord shows you to do. Then you can physically just begin to express that, you know, even in your body. If he's like, you see yourself waving your hands. Waving your hands does some things. Lifting up your hands does some things. Saying something to him. But that's an expression of your heart. God, I want, to touch your, I want to touch your heart. You've touched my life in so many ways, God. How can I touch you even more? That's a great request. God, how can I touch your life even more? Lord, I want to offer something that's pleasing, a sweet-smelling aroma. And then out of that touch, virtue flows have a determination to touch him right now doesn't matter about the crowd but you have a determination to touch the Lord right now and then in exchange your life gets touched intimate moments in which we touch the Lord. It's in these intimate moments in which we touch the Lord. You and him, some still going by the physical, but it's in these intimate moments in which we touch God's heart. And in these moments, 
where we get sensitized, we learn how to fix our gaze upon him. We learn how to remove distractions. God is someone to behold. right now saying you can touch my heart and then I touch your heart one great way to touch is through worship men can touch his heart one song that I was just offering before the Lord even you know I got here real early today just to unload the van <clears throat> and it was a moment actually where the Lord met me I'm just playing you know just establishing an atmosphere of worship uh, but then wound up just playing this song and the Lord met me and I man I just got on my knees and just started crying it was not planned for but he just moved my heart on this song as it expressed because I wanted this to be my song for him and even as you're just still just in his presence, I just want to read some of the lyrics. It's actually a long song, but here's a part of it. If the stars were made to worship, so will I. And this is what I'm singing to the Lord. If the mountains bow in reverence, so will I. If the oceans roar your greatness, so will I. For if everything exists to lift you high, so will I. If the wind goes where you send it, so will I. If the rocks cry out in silence, I'm not going to let rocks outdo me. So will I. If the sum of all our praises still falls shy, then we'll sing again a hundred billion times. And it says, God of salvation, 
you chased down my heart through all of my failure and pride. On a hill you created, the light of the world abandoned in darkness to die. And then it says this, and as you speak, a hundred billion failures disappear. Where you lost your life so I could find it here. If you left the grave behind you, so will I. <laughs> I can see your heart in everything you've done. That seeing in the spirit. I can see your heart in everything you've done, God. I see your heart. Every part designed in a work of art called love. And this is what really got me. If you gladly chose surrender, so will I. If you gladly chose surrender, Lord, so will I. I can see your heart eight billion different ways. Every precious one, a child you died to save. If you gave your life to love them, so will I. Like you would again a hundred billion times. But what measure could amount to your desire? You're the one who never leaves the one behind. That's our God. And because he's that kind of God, he's the one who doesn't leave the one behind. What we see in the natural, he saw in the spirit. When people were ridiculing him on the cross, if you're God, save yourself. He was able to see in the spirit and say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And what he did, he saw you, he saw me weren't even physically there. He was like, I'm doing this for them. Yep, I know they're going to sin. <laughs> but from that point on the cross, that word echoed into the distance from that time even to the future of when we showed up. That word that Jesus said, who is the word of God incarnate, still said, Father, forgive them. Whatever your name is, Jesus is like, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They're going to come to a point where I'm going to open their eyes and they're going to see me. And I can present to them you in salvation. And then in turn, I'm going to work and touch their life. <coughs> and as they live, they will live as me on earth before you, Father. As Christians. Father, we thank you for a greater sensitivity to touch, to touch, <laughs> to your touching our lives, to our lives touching you. We thank you for the touch in the spirit that will transform. Touch us to the point, God, that we get out of our old self. Touch us beyond our excuses. Firmly and gently, Father. Mold us in the name of Jesus.
Hallelujah. 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 When he touches you, you can't be the same. A true touch, you're not the same. leaves a mark when he really touches your life. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Let's seal this like this. You can just place your hand upon your heart. It's just simple, but let it be profound. And you can say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for touching my heart. I thank you for touching my life. <clears throat> Guide me more to walk in the Spirit. And to touch you God. Glory to God. Hallelujah.